Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Adam and Eve sin, they cut themselves off from God. God comes to them. The world is in ruin and God comes to a pagan named Abraham. A murderer flees from his homeland and God comes to Moses. A people are in bondage in Egypt and God comes and frees his people again and again and again. God is always on the way. God is always closing the gap. And what Isaiah can see is at the end of history, God himself will come to earth. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. God is always on the way. Isn't that a great thought? As Pastor Ricky teaches today, you'll learn that throughout history, God has always been right around the corner, on His way to be your rescuer and problem solver. That's the good news of Christmas as well. Pastor Ricky reminds us that it may have felt like an eternity in Isaiah's day, but the true light was coming to shine brightly, save us from our sins, and be the bridge to a perfect relationship with God. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 as he continues his message, Christ was born for you, the waiting, the wolves, and the good shepherd. All of us see weaknesses in our own lives. You know, in my relationship with God, no unbelief, no anxiety, just smooth sailing. So it relates to my family. Yeah, I, I was patient every day, right? You know, I just embraced joyfully Skype education for my children at all moments. I never got frustrated at things I could not do. Just thank God for what I could do. And it was, it was great. It was a great year. No, I haven't heard anybody. If that's you, man, I would love to talk to you and get some tips for next year. Here's the good news. The Lord being your God is not dependent on you having a good year. The Lord being your God is dependent on the fact that he has made you his son or daughter and he still calls you his child. He still says, behold, your God. The next phrase that I think is glorious is, behold, the Lord comes, right? Isaiah has this unique perspective in, in 40 to 66 where he can see, in other words, the Lord gives him a prophetic vision of sort of the, all the sweep of world history. And he can see it all like at a glance, like, wow. And so he's not caught up in the tiny moment of time he lives in. He can see the whole thing. And from the perspective of all history, this could not be more true. Behold, the Lord God comes. There, there does exist in this moment of Babylon what seems to be a distance between God and his people, but God is on his way to close that gap. God is always on his way in the Bible. The story of the Bible is the story of God on his way to us, closing the gap between us and God, right? Adam and Eve sin. They cut themselves off from God. God comes to them. The world is in ruin and God comes to a pagan named Abraham. A murderer flees from his homeland and God comes to Moses. A people are in bondage in Egypt and God comes and frees his people again and again and again. God is always on the way. God is always closing the gap. And what Isaiah can see is at the end of history, God himself will come to earth. Isaiah's perspective is, oh, look, it's right there, right? We live in this moment where it's like, it's so long. Isaiah can see the whole thing and goes, oh, just boop, that's what it is. He's, he's on his way. He's coming right now. 
the glorious truth of this season, this Advent season. The word Advent means arrival. The glorious truth of this season is that God has arrived to be with his people in the person of Jesus Christ. That it may have felt like an eternity for people in Isaiah's day, but we look back and we see it was like that. John 1 says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming, was coming into the world and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. We this year, church, at the end of the year might ask, where is God in our waiting? And we find the answer He's in the manger. He has come to be with us. The the advent of Christ is the loudest answer God could possibly give humanity when we ask the question, where are you? I'm there. I've come to be with you. He He made the leap into our human form and experience. He took on flesh and he did that so that he could empty himself and become nothing, dying the death that we deserve on the cross. And in so doing, he closed the gap forever between God and his people so that for all eternity, God's people would never be without God's presence ever again. We're waiting for a lot of things, church, but could it be that the thing we are most waiting for has already come? We rejoice in seeing that manger. We rejoice in celebrating this season because it is the answer, God's answer to the question, where are you? The answer is, I am with you. But we still live in the gap, don't we? <laughs> Some of the last, one of the last verses in the Bible is Jesus' simple statement, behold, I am coming soon. Jesus ascended and he promised to return. And he promises that when he returns, we will be united with our Lord for all eternity. Make no mistake, we do experience God's presence truly right here, right now but we will experience God's presence fully one day when he returns. It's like the Lord's here, but it feels so far. You know what I mean? We could feel like, oh, that's, that's too far. I can't, I can't wait. I feel separated. But this is not, <laughs> biblically speaking, I don't think that's an accurate picture. You know what the accurate picture would be? It would be us We've done this a few times with my boys. We show up at my parents' house, find them through the window like a bunch of creepers and knock on the window and their face lights up and then they put up their finger saying, one minute, and they walk around and open the door. This year, this lifetime is just that brief moment it takes for our heavenly father to walk from where he is through the door to embrace us. We see him, he's right there. He hasn't left us, he never will. But one day the doors will be flung open and we will be embraced fully. The presence of God fully with us. What are we waiting for? We are waiting for him and he is here and he is on the way. Third question then, who have we waited for? We need to point our longings to the right place because maybe up until this point, you're like, well, I know you're saying that God's the one we're waiting for, 
prove it. This has been a hard year. Is that really what I'm waiting for? I feel like I'm waiting for something else. No, listen to this. When we see who he is, we understand that all of our waiting is pointed at him. We learn three things about the one we're waiting for. First, he is the warrior. Verse 10, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. In Jesus, we find the warrior we long for. Just look at, look at what we've walked through in the Gospel of Luke so far. Look at the forces that Jesus has wrestled to the ground. He has wrestled with sickness and paralysis and won. He has wrestled with demons, an army of demons, and emerges victorious. We find him seeing the true enemy death in the face of a little girl and the risen son of God, the incarnate son of God, puts his boot to the neck of death and emerges gloriously, victorious. All of this, church, is only foreshadowing the cross where Jesus will wrestle all these powers down and death itself will have its jaw broken and the Lord Jesus Christ will rise. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it this way, that one day, even though the jaw of death and sin and Satan have been broken, one day they will be put away and destroyed forever. And 1 Corinthians 15 says this, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, meaning when that last gap is closed and the Lord emerges from the house with his arms open wide and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You know, the answer to that question is, it's nowhere, nowhere anymore for the Lord emerges victorious. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the one that we have waited for and are waiting for. But if he came once and he knocked death down, busted a bunch of people out, took the keys to Hades, he will return. He's like that little kid who's, somebody's being mean to them in the supermarket and they look up at the mean person and say, my dad is coming. And you see his dad, your dad comes around the corner. He's a six foot tall, six foot five, you know, 280 pound muscle bound dude. And you're like, oh, that's not gonna go well, right? He is the warrior we wait for. Second, he is also the giver. Behold, it says, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. So after a a long military campaign, a conquering king would bring back to his homeland all the plunder of his victories. He He would award gifts to his advisors, to his generals. And often what would happen is is when he returned, there would be days and days of feasting, right? The entire country would celebrate all that their king had won in battle. He would set out a feast with the finest food, the finest drinks, right? He wins 
wins the victory, but even the people back in the homeland, they didn't do nothing, they still enjoy the gifts, right? This is what our God is like. Ephesians 4.8 says that, that not only did Jesus lead the captives out of sin and, and, and out of bondage, but he frees the captives and then gives them gifts, Right? This is who our God is. Not only does he free us, not only does he rescue us, he then rewards us, which is insane. We largely as a culture give thanks to nothing, right? All the signs, give thanks, give thanks. To what, right? Give thanks for all the gifts you have. And we're just like, oh yeah, thank you. To, to what? Wasn't, you know... <laughs> wasn't like this stuff magically appeared. Who do we give thanks to? We give thanks because our gifts, any gifts in our lives point us to the giver. Any gift. The, the, the scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, meaning all of the good things that have gotten you through this year, they have been generous gifts from the hand of your God, who not only saved you, but now gifts you so much. But this year, I think we have also felt the absence of so many gifts that we normally receive. Maybe you feel the absence of friends filling your living room or the absence of calendar activities or the absence of loved ones that are near you. We feel the absence of these things because the gifts were so good. And in those moments, church, I think we need to remember as so many of these varied and beautiful gifts have been removed, let us remember two things. One, the fact that it hurts that it's gone meant that it was a wonderful gift. But second, remember this, the giver is not done giving. There will be more gifts in this life and there will be many more in the life to come. Same giver, right? It's like somebody, you know, maybe your closest family member gives you your favorite Christmas present ever, but you ruin it, right? You spill coffee on the shirt. You ruin it. But Christmas is coming, and they're about to give you something new again. And so you look forward. You look forward to the giver. Third thing, the shepherd. He will tend his flock like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosoms and gently lead those that are with young. Now, this is an image that sort of reinforces everything else the passage has been saying about God. The shepherd is with his flock, right? This is not, being a shepherd is not a clock in, clock out job where you're like, all right, Frank, see you later, right? You can clock out, leave work at home, you know, leave work at work, just enjoy it. No, no, the shepherds w lived with their work, right? They were with their sheep 24-7. And wherever the sheep are, that's where the shepherd is. And the shepherd is also a warrior. He doesn't carry the staff for fun, right? That's for wolves. He fights threats. He sees danger. He beats back enemies, and he also gives good gifts. He, he nourishes and leads the flock to green pastures and to cool streams. And he carries those that can't walk anymore. This is who the Lord is for his people. 
We have been waiting our entire lives for a shepherd, and in the Lord we find a good shepherd. Listen to the words of Jesus here. He says this, probably referencing this verse directly. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who doesn't own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says later, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Right, this is a shepherd so relentlessly committed to his sheep that he would lay down even his own life, right? No shepherd does that. I mean, shepherds want to protect the flock from wolves, but at the end of the day, if there's a pack of wolves, they're not going to win. They're going to run, take the sheep. Not this shepherd. This shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. One day, church, we live in this dual reality where right now, right now, the good shepherd is with us. He has not left you at any point this year. He will not leave you at any point this year. He is with you to protect you, to nourish you, to sustain you, to, to lift you when you cannot walk anymore. But one day, we will experience the fullness of God as our shepherd, where no wolves will stalk us anymore, where the city of God will be only and always cool streams and green pastures. Isn't that good news? And recently I watched this World War II movie called Greyhound. And the movie is about this part of World War II uh, that I'd never really known about before, the Battle of the Atlantic. And here's what would happen in the Battle of the Atlantic. You'd have these convoys of American supplies and troops that would be sent from America to England. And within flying distance, kind of from Canada and from England, they had air cover. And so, you know, they're, they're pretty much fine. But they would enter this, this area that they would sail through for three or four days called the Black Pit. It was a black pit because it was cold and it was hostile, but especially because it was a perfect hunting ground for wolf packs of German U-boats. They would work in groups and they would wait. And as soon as they spotted a convoy, they went to work. So the movie is about this commander Krauss, who's, the, who's leading this destroyer, and this destroyer is you know, can only be in one place at one time, but it's, it's sailing around trying to protect the entire convoy from being attacked. If you're looking for like a de-stressor movie, don't watch this movie because it is the most stressful movie I have seen this year. Here's what happens. For three straight days, this convoy is harassed and attacked. And to add insult to injury, the German commander keeps finding their radio frequency and jumping on the frequency and taunting them and literally howling like a wolf 
until they can change the frequency and move somewhere else, right? So Commander Krause is there. This goes on hour after hour. People keep bringing him food. He never eats the food. They take the food away. They bring more food. He never sits down from my view, from what I can see of the movie. He doesn't sit down for three days. He is constantly directing and leading and helping. And by the end of the third day, his feet are bloody from lack of seating. His shoes have cut into his skin. And finally, finally at the very end, I'll spoil it for you, they make it. And when I watched the movie, I thought, man, that is 2020, isn't it? Like that, that's what it feels like. Like there's danger in the water. It's cold. Uh, we're taking friendly, they take friendly fire at one point. A friend, yeah, this other boat just rakes them across the bow and all their windows get shot out. So now it's extra cold and it's just the worst. And I feel like there's danger out there. I don't know what it is. It doesn't feel good. It feels cold. It feels scary. That's what life is like, man. And so I'm like I always do after watching a movie, I'm reading IMDb to look up the fun facts about it. And I found that it was, a, it was actually based on a novel by C.S. Forrester. Called, and the original title of the novel was this, The Good Shepherd. And it was, it was this weird moment, right? Where I read the title, The Good Shepherd, and the whole movie, I watched the movie thinking, man, that's me. Just like that good commander, doing, you know, trying to keep everybody safe, doing, doing the best I can. And it was like in that moment, the Lord used this to kind of speak to me and say, I'm the good shepherd, not you. (laughs) Because here's the truth, church. Here's the truth. Jesus, in shepherding us, he never rests. Jesus, in shepherding us, never fails. Jesus, in shepherding us, never misjudges anything. He he never asks us to do more than he is willing to do. He is the good shepherd. I'm the guy on the boat trying to relay uh, messages, and I keep sneezing, and the captain keeps looking at me like, can you keep it together? The hope that we have as we finish this year and sail into a new one is that we have a good shepherd. The water may be cold. The wind may be biting. There may be danger in the water, but our good shepherd will lead us home. So as we enter this Advent season, church, here's my encouragement. Rejoice. Rejoice that God has come. Rejoice that God is with us. Rejoice that the gap between us and God has been closed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we right now, we have a warrior. We have a giver. We have a shepherd. Rejoice, but wait. Wait with hope. Wait for one day the wolves to all be gone. Wait for one day our tables to be filled with feasting. Wait for the warrior to throw down death forever. Wait for the giver to give his best gifts. Wait for the shepherd to lead us safely home. Open God, oh my soul. Christmas time is here. 
For a lot of people, Christmas brings happy memories filled with joy and laughter, but for many others, the memories aren't so sweet. Christmas can also be filled with deep heartache and loneliness. If your Christmases are less than jolly, we're glad that you decided to spend some time with us on Better News Radio, because we really do have better news for you. You heard in today's message with Pastor Ricky that Christ was born for you. One of the names given to the newborn king was Emmanuel, which means God with us. No matter how lonely your Christmas might be, you're not alone. The God of the universe sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. He's with you. Better News Radio is a ministry out of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. Are you in the area? We would love to meet you. Stop by and see us this Sunday morning at 9 or 11. For more information about the church and location, head on over to betternewsradio.com. Once again, that's betternewsradio.com. And if Christmas isn't such a happy one for you, check out our Better News book. In this free book, we'll take a look at some questions like, why is there a deep longing in our hearts that we just can't seem to satisfy? And if you have any questions still after reading it, email us at radio at crossofgraceradio.com. Once again, that email is radio at crossofgraceradio.com. We'd be happy to try and answer all of your questions or just pray for you. Well, that brings us to the end of this special Christmas message. We'll be praying for you until we meet again next time here on Better News Radio.